BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, y'all, you want to get saucy, pert, and greasy with the ladies from someplace underneath? Well, then slip and slide right on down to Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. The Country Jamboree from Last Podcast Network is June 18th. Tickets out now. Get on. Well, they're spicy. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, it's Nashville, baby. <laughs> I feel like I'm perpetuating stereotype. Get on. Come on. We howl. gym crush <gasps> I have a crush at the gym and he's really cute and my question is should I go up and talk to him or just keep crushing from afar because why is my voice like this you know what I mean I mean you're never gonna know until you find out maybe um like cause a huge scene in front of him and see how he reacts to it. Should I spill my water bottle? And then start crying. <laughs> and then see. Like a sane woman? Like a sane yeah, yeah, woman yeah. would do? Yeah. Maybe try that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm also scared he might point and laugh at me. Is this how men feel when they approach women? That if you flirt with him, he'll laugh at you? Yeah. Just be like, you're ugly. I don't want you. Ugh. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's pretty universal for whatever gender you are. I think that's always a little bit of a fear unless you are, I guess, maybe... A monster? <laughs> it's like, no one's ever going to turn me down. <laughs> me and my tentacles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Someplace Underneath. I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. I think that you should, I guess it's just, sometimes it's better as a fantasy. I guess it's really if you'd rather actually make out with this person or if you want to just like think about making out with him. Right. And it does keep me going to the gym. So like, what oh. if I hit on him and it doesn't work out and now I got to keep seeing this fucker at the gym? It's true. You know, and I do want to look cute at the gym. So I put on a little bit of lip. Mm. I say maybe like play it out for a little while longer at least. That's a know? good advice. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. Follow him home a couple times. <laughs> See what he likes. Look at his windows. <laughs> peek in with a camera. Take some photos so I can remember what he likes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Well, after we give our our uh, intro advice every episode that you should definitely follow, <laughs> we're going to go back to the 
Curse of Appalachia, which again is mostly based on the corporate greed that right. revolves around it. Because we were talking about Appalachia and I was like, it's ghosts, Natalie. It's ghosts and then hills. And you're like, I think it's corporate greed and drugs. And I was yeah. like, nah, it's ghosts. <laughs> I wish it was just ghosts. I think it would be a lot better off. But no, we're more dealing with... Um, Actual things? Yeah, like just... Wait a second. Ghosts are real, okay? Oh, shit. <laughs> don't do this to me. It's weird that I... I don't, you know, subscribe to like really a heaven or hell, but I definitely am in the the camp of we ghosts could be real. We just don't understand what it is exactly. Okay, yeah, so whatever. They're flopping their dicks around you all the time. That's what I would do as a ghost. I'd just rub my tits all over everybody. Oh, they I thought you meant I was gonna, we were going to get dicks as ghosts, which would be kind of fun if you got a, a genital swap. <laughs> died for some reason. Okay, anyway, we're going back to Appalachia. Last week, we were talking about a little bit more of a, I would never call it an urban setting in Appalachia, but it, it, it was more of a city. It was in and around the Knoxville area. This story and this family is pretty deep into what we would call the cut. Yeah, it's up in the mountains where yeah. people make their own homes. Yeah, like for real, which is something that... It sounds like science fiction to me. They make their own houses. Whoa. That's crazy. You mean like a big company didn't come in and like make giant condos and charge $3,000 for it? Yeah, I didn't know that was even possible. Wow. So yeah, where they are, this family is located is a, a little bit northeast of Knoxville. A little bit by, I mean, like many miles. I like the pictures of the flowers. Yeah, it's a very, the area right outside of Rogersville, which is where this family lives, is very rural. Rogersville is a small town that's the closest thing to a town near them. And it's very pretty, you know, it has like a town square and all that stuff. Oh. Yeah. Like, it's exactly like the Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> so this child who has been missing since last year, her name is Summer Moon Utah Wells. She was last seen on June 15th outside of her family's home in Hawken County's Beach Creek community. So Beach Creek is sort not of- Not by beach. No, not by beach whatsoever. <laughs> it, it's just sort of the, the, the rough area of the community, basically. Beach Creek community is just a section. It's not like an official government- town it's just per se. what they call it yeah this story has actually gotten quite a bit of traction because um, it's a pretty white blonde girl it is and it, i mean that's she should still be found absolutely you know um, but she is a pretty white blonde girl yes and there are other i think there's a few other elements that have really caught the attention of the general population some of it not very positive so that is probably also contributing to the interest in the story. But I wanted to talk about it because of the different elements that come into play because they are so deep in Appalachia and maybe some prejudices or some difficulties that either the family or alternatively the investigative teams might have faced because of being oh. forced people. Um, with me, like I was looking at the parents, and this might be an unpopular opinion. And by the way, I said, I'm sorry about you calling her like a pretty white girl. Her family's listening to this and she should be found. Of course. Yeah. No, of course, of course. But her parents, like her mother has abuse charges that she was abusing people and mm -hmm. her father had a bunch of like also criminal history. I feel like those kids from both parents 
They should have like CPS going to the house once a week. Well, they have at this point. <laughs> um, but yes, that's true. And I think that's another reason, good reason to talk about this, this story. Not, I mean, beyond the fact we really want to get at least a couple more eyeballs out for her because she is still actively a missing child, is that it's kind of a nuanced conversation about where, because of how they look and act, if we are kind of being judged during executioner on them because they're not, they've done some pretty dumb, shitty things. And when is the line of like, well, some of it could be considered child abuse. Does that mean that they did this? No. Is it helping them? No. But are we also looking at some of their traits being Appalachian people and kind of going like, oh, yeah, these people definitely fucking did it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Judge, jury, executioner. And also some like, I don't ever want to be some Hollywood elitist. No, you are the farthest thing from that, Amber. For I took sure. the subway here, <laughs> so I'm very humble. No, because uh, people have very good points to make that there are some issues with like maybe inappropriate parenting or stuff that could be considered child abuse mm. um, in their past. And so we have to, we definitely have to look at that. Yeah. And it's not going to help their case, certainly. People aren't going to just go, eh, they can't be related. There's no way those two things could possibly be related. So we do, you know, want to take a look at, at it in a, an intellectual way. And I mean, I'm also going to, we're all, we all have biases. We're going to make judgments. I'm not me. Jesus Christ. I'm judging everybody. No. <laughs> and, is um, No, I'm not going to make a Jesus joke. I was about to say something <laughs> fucked up about Jesus, and I won't because I know that'll make people upset, and I'm sorry. That's all right. Hang in there. <laughs> Is that a Jesus joke? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm a Christian. You know what I mean? Okay. I think you should make jokes about it because yeah. it's, you need to have a sense of humor. You got to. That's hell. No sense of humor. All right. Summer. <sighs> Your moniker is a guy being tortured to death, so you got to make jokes about it a little bit. Yeah. So, Summer Wells. At the time of her disappearance, she was five years old, which was last year, 2021. In February of 2022, she turned six. So she, at the time of this recording, is six years old. Police and detectives from multiple departments have not been able to locate a, so much as a scrap of evidence of her whereabouts. And we are going to be closing in on a year fairly soon. So mm. what is going on in this, in this little community. Summer lives in a a makeshift house of sorts with her mother, whose name is Candace Bly, her father, whose name is Don Wells Sr., and her three minor brothers. She is the only daughter. I say makeshift because it is a house, but clearly they put on kind of their own like additions to it. Okay. I could see me doing that. It's been like, I'm doing my own flair. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely flair flair going on there so they live in this house and then summer's grandmother who's also named candace lives on the property in her own camper style trailer and that sits about i would say less than 100 feet from the main house so there, it's all very tight in this little raised property around a bunch of trees right just north of their property there is some cleared out areas where businesses like there's a church and there's a small store reside on this two lane main road. And I say that with air quotes because it's it is not a main road. But compared to where they're living, 
you know, three quarters of a mile away from that road is not really a road at all. <laughs> right. So this is the closest thing to like a paved kind of road. Okay. They are surrounded by trees pretty much on all sides except for those you know, cleared out areas. I bet it's beautiful. Oh, I mean, just looking at it from Google Maps vacation, it, it do, I mean, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, and the trees protect you from the wind and you got your family around to, you know, to help each other out. It sounds like it could be quaint or it could be hell. Sure. And I think a lot of people live very simply out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they live poorly or like unhappily. They're, no, they're rich in love. Yeah. And I, I imagine that a lot of people are completely contented in that. And I, I can see, I can see the appeal of it for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of it is untouched and it's beautiful, but personally I'm terrified of it. I would be terrified every night as the sun went down because I am a giant city baby. Yeah. I mean, they have bears and rapists out there. Like- you know, yeah. I, I need a door that locks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need people. I need neighbors. Yeah. I'm much more comfortable with too many people around than not enough. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Summer is, uh, as opposed to me, very comfortable in her surroundings as it's been the only life she's known. And she, you know, she had, she was very happy. She is very happy as a kid. She likes to roughhouse and play with her brothers, but she also loves girly kind of dresses and princessy stuff and she loves the movie Frozen. That's cute. I can see her in a little Frozen dress, just like running around the woods barefoot. She That is basically her, yeah. That's a good childhood. It is. When she disappeared, she, along with her mother and all of her brothers, have shaved heads. I'm bringing that up not because there's anything wrong with her having a shaved head, but there are conflicting reasons explaining this. Is it lice or? They didn't say that. And maybe it was and they felt ashamed, which like, why? I mean, you shouldn't. It's... I had lice. I had lice. We had <laughs> lice. But there, and there's nothing wrong with it, but the parents kind of have brought it up unsolicited and have had different reasons for it. So oh. it is something that is interesting. Hopefully it's just because Summer wanted to have a shaped head. I mean, some parents do that as like um, discipline and control. I think shaving, because I, I knew girls who had their head shaved when they like misbehaved. And I think that's a form of abuse. That's like one of those like tote in the line. Yeah. But then again, I moved around so much. I don't know where they are now. What's going on? That's that's dehumanizing. Yes. They did that to Josh Duggar, you'll recall, as a kid. And that didn't work out very well for no. him. No. So some of her favorite things, you know, are playing with dolls, swinging on the swing they have in their backyard, and playing in the water. And all of these things will come into the story. Summer and her family suffice to say, are pretty deep in Appalachia. So here's some photos I'll, I'll post up on the Instagram. You see them where there's this house is here and it's just like completely surrounded by very thick woods. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Here's a, an aerial version. So right there. And then, so we have some, you know, some, what is this, fields? What the fuck would you call this? <laughs> what is Fe- this thing here? A farmy time? Like farmland that is a little bit, I think it. there were trees there that got kind of like taken down for farming. I don't know. But most of it is really scarily deep woods. I say scarily because forests to me are gorgeous, but I, they're also the, just all the Blair Witch Project. It's where the devil lives. The devil lives in the woods. It's yeah. not in the cities. Right. So, you know, it is wilderness in a lot of the areas surrounding their house. They have some neighbors, but... There are, are also large, thick spans of forest between all of those neighbors. So they're not really next door, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. People keep saying on the news that they live in Rogersville, 
But the town, that town is actually west about 20 miles from where Summer's family lives, though they share a zip code with it. Rogersville is, yeah, the closest town, essentially. They're even far removed from there. So where they live is actually in an unincorporated part of Hawkins County, Tennessee. Rogersville, the, the close by town, the population is 4,300, so very little. And in their entire Hawkins County, the population is 57,000. That averages out to 117 people per square mile. However, it's probably far fewer where Summer's family actually resides in the county. For contrast, Los Angeles County has about 2,500 people per square mile. And if you just focus on Los Angeles, it's 8,300 people per square mile. Wow. So... (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty far apart from each other. They're pretty far apart because it's... <laughs> I just had a stroke, I'm sorry. Nice. Well, you reading off all the numbers and facts. Stats. I mean, because you would look at the people, the amount, and be like, oh, that's easy to go question them, but you're going to have to take a day's drive to get to the next neighbor and then to go find them and then gain their trust, you know, because you know for sure they're coming out with shotguns when you walk on their property. They, yeah, they do probably most of the time. Which, I would. Sure. No, you know, it's their right, but... Where they are is it's not an area where somebody can just happen upon a kid. They're very far apart and there's not a lot of through traffic. Whereas, you know, 8,300 per square feet people in L.A. You can happen upon a kid. You could happen upon a kid who's not being looked at and just snatch them. This is very, very unlikely in this situation. Their house is over a half mile to that main quote unquote road, like I said, and They live on a basically a little offshoot from that road that would have a zero through traffic. It's just a couple neighbors that live on. It's like a little dead end, dead end dirt, dead end dirt road. Okay, okay. There's a series of events that are alleged to have gone down that day in June last year. Because of the weirdness of everything involved, the story has become somewhat of an obsession with online sleuths. I'm not really here today to sway people one way or another, but to get her face out there again. And also, you know, like I said, look at the elements that may have been working against some of the people involved, because so far it's been sort of a a disaster. One thing we can say with fair certainty, like I said, is that if this was an abduction scenario, it would have had to have been a targeted one. Because there wouldn't have been somebody just happening by on foot or driving by. Yeah. And they they would, everybody knows each other. So she would probably know the abductor. Yeah. There would be very few strangers that would just be hanging around. Not that there aren't people hanging around, which we will talk about, but not people just like making their way through town because there is no town where they are. Yeah. So this could involve her parents or could not if she was abducted. But what is nearly impossible is that someone happened by her. The other thing I wanted to say before we get into it is that this story is extremely complicated, kind of convoluted, and very involved. And very little of it makes a ton of sense. This is not to villainize the parents, simply to acknowledge that the details don't have a lot of coherence a lot of the time. And there is so much messiness within the adults in Summer's life. It's really difficult to parcel out what's true and what isn't. So let's just get into it. According to Summer's mother, Candace Bly, this is the basic rundown of that afternoon's events. It was summer break, so everyone in the family, except for Summer's dad, whose name is Don, was at home 
because the kids weren't in school. And Don was at work. That's why he wasn't home. After a morning of errand running, Candace, along with Summer's grandmother, who I'm going to call Candy because both Summer's mom and grandmother are named Candace. Yeah, so. it can get confusing. Yes. So Candace is Summer's mom. Candy is the grandma. So it should be Candy or grandma. So Candace, grandma, and Summer decide to plant some flowers outside of grandma's camper, which, again, is on the property. That's cute. Yeah. After they finished, they walk inside of grandma's camper to wash their hands. Summer asks grandma if she could have a piece of candy. So grandma, of course, gives her candy. And then Summer says, I want to go across to the house, the big house, to see what her my brothers are doing. Because all the boys were sitting in the house watching TV. Candace says that when that happens, this is at this point pretty mid-afternoon-ish, late afternoon kind of, that she says sure and she walks Summer over across the yard to the big house where the family lives and just says to the sons, hey, watch Summer for a minute. I have to go tend to grandma because grandma was having some knee issues. So she was helping her fix her brace. Okay. So the mother brought the daughter over across to the boys and Mm -hmm. said, watch her. I'm going to go attend to my mom because she has knee issues. Yeah. And the houses are pretty close. So it's not like she was hiking for a whole day. No. According to the mother's account of things. Great. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Candace says that she was only over at her mother's camper for two minutes. Exactly. She says two minutes before she walks back to check on the kids. She doesn't see Summer sitting with the boys, so she asks her sons where she is. They say she went down to her bedroom to play. I'll get back to what down to her bedroom means. It's a little unusual. It's not just downstairs. <laughs> Candace starts calling for Summer, just, you know, going, just checking Summer, where are you? Are you downstairs playing with your toys? No response. So she keeps calling, no answer. Finally, she goes down to check on her, and she's not there. So she starts to walk around outside calling for Summer, and Summer's not responding. If it's on the timeline that Candace says it happens, this would have been like five minutes since she last saw her. Yeah. Candace says she starts to panic pretty quickly, and she calls her husband, Don, and just says she can't find Summer anywhere. Don says to call 911. So she hangs up. Apparently, both her and Don call 911. And, you know, from the perspective, folks, Mm -hmm. 911, the calls have not been released to the public. It's not clear why. However, the police scanner has when they were responding to the 911 calls. And that acknowledges that they did, in fact, call 911. But the description that they're giving over the scanner doesn't fit what Candace has told the public. We'll get back to that. There could be a multitude of reasons for it. But 
She might be panicked because her kid is gone. Right. And it could have been a series of a telephone thing where the person who's reporting it was getting it from somebody else. And right. It was just like a basic, this is a, a kid's missing. Yeah. So th- that 911 call was placed somewhere around 6.30 p.m., that evening. Ooh, night's coming. It's coming. It's June, so at that point, it's not dark yet, but it's close. See, the longest day of the year, I think, is June 20th. So it's almost the longest day. They would have had a couple hours probably left of, of sun. But, you know, it takes a minute for all of this to come together. So by that night, they had gathered over 60 people to scour the, the nearby forest. Nothing is discovered. They don't find any trace of her no sounds except for a neighbor, which we'll talk about probably next episode. Not even like a shoe. Mm-mm. There's always like a little baby shoe there. Yeah. Nothing? No sign of a struggle. No, nothing. And the brothers are just like, she went down. Yeah. You know, as the public, we don't have full access to those kids' testimonies, which I think is a good thing. But they have, the boys have not argued with the parents about what's happened, at least publicly. So, the boys are going along with the what their parents are saying. We assume that it's because it's the truth, but they're little kids, so they're kind of just listening to their parents also. Right, so they're little, so it's not like they're drowning her or anything. No. Well, the oldest one was, I believe, 11 or 12 at the time. So they're pretty pretty young, and I, and I don't think the, I don't think there's any suspicions that they did something to her, mm-hmm. but, you know, pretty much everything is still on the table because they've been able to find nothing so far and the people know these forests like it's not like Mm -hmm. you know me walking through the forest just being like where is she like they know the forest like at the back of their hand yes and they they were organizing these initial 60 people pretty quickly and as a five-year-old it's not like she could have like run like 10 miles at that point you know what i mean so somebody uh, would have had to take her in a car but like you would see the car coming up that's another thing that they're trying to figure out because there really hasn't been anybody leaving any tips that have grown any fruit about any vehicle being in the area or whatever. Yeah, you'd see tire tracks, you'd see signs. Yeah, so again, that could lean to somebody having planned this for a long time, but... We're not sure yet. So anyway, sometime after midnight, an endangered child alert goes up by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, which is the TBI. So fortunately, the big guns showed up very rapidly for this. It makes me actually kind of wonder if Summer's family being in an unincorporated part of the county actually worked in their favor. Because when you're in an unincorporated part of a county, it basically means you don't have your own government. So no police force. Oh, no, like, so then it like got blasted all over Appalachia. Yeah, Appalachia. I mean, maybe. I, I I do wonder if they're just this for this one thing. Oh, they are actually benefited by it. Maybe. So I don't that's, know. That's it. I didn't know that those kind of towns existed. So it's just like people living in the woods, no cops, no firemen. They have they get if they have an emergency, essentially, it's the county that deals with it. So my grandmother lives. Oh, actually, a bunch of my family lives in an unincorporated part of. Michigan. It's not very like 
when you are hurt, like a lot of times you have to like drive very far to the hospital, stuff like that. Oh, right. Because yeah. there's no ambulance. No. My grandma's tough as nails, though. She once fell in the dark and broke her leg when the power went out. She just called my aunt and was just like, hey, I'm on the ground. I think my leg snapped. I don't know if you can get over here or something. And then they had to drive her to the hospital. Wow. Um, but it worked in their favor. So this maybe had in this instance might have worked in their favor that it wasn't the like yokel police who showed up first. Yeah. So very quickly TBI citing quote unquote new information. So TBI puts up this endangered child alert that night, like right after midnight. And then suddenly within hours TBI upgrades the endangered child alert to a statewide Amber alert. Why is this relevant? Well, unfortunately, not all missing kids get an Amber Alert. The Amber Alert system began in 1996 when Dallas-Fort Worth broadcasters teamed with local police to develop an early warning system to help find abducted children. AMBER stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response and was created as a legacy to nine-year-old Amber Hagerman, who was kidnapped while riding her bicycle in Arlington, Texas, and brutally murdered. Other states and communities soon set up their own Amber plans as the idea was adopted across the state. So when that was started, other states started to go, oh, we should do this too. And yeah. then, yeah. It's a good idea. Which is great. And then in 2003, there was a national Amber alert system kind of like structure set up being like okay we should try to like organize this so we can communicate it's not just kids on milk cartons yeah so they basically made it a thing like they put a system together federally and they made this list of criteria that they recommended to states so states could choose to adopt these set of criteria for an amber alert if they wanted to so each state is a little bit different in tennessee this is what they, they say the TBI reserves Amber Alerts for the most serious of missing children cases in which law enforcement believes that a child is in imminent danger. They go on. So it's got to be like a big deal. Yeah. For and, Tennessee. And, and they made an amp her an Amber Alert really rapidly. And I'm explaining this because this is not always a common occurrence. And so far in this case, almost a year later, we have really no uh suspects or any evidence to suggest she was kidnapped that the public knows about but something about what happened in the first 12 hours made them change it into an amber alert so in the tennessee.gov goes on to say amber alerts are issued for abducted children in the most serious cases that meet the specific amber alert criteria tennessee averages 500 to 600 missing children a month yeah Wow, many due to parental abductions or runaways. Our state averages eight to nine Amber Alerts a year. Overuse of Amber Alerts could result in the public becoming desensitized to alerts when they are issued. That's true. I guess you do become desensitized if it's like an Amber Alert every five seconds. But yeah. I can't believe it's 500 to 600 missing kids a year. That's a problem. Yeah, and I think that that is... Stand, like, I think that's probably – I actually didn't look – I'd be curious to look at how the states fare against each other, but a lot of those end up getting solved, like, within a day or two. Like a girl ran away to be with her boyfriend. Right. Okay. Yeah, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, the ones that we come across that are more sticky and kind of 
it sucks that they're not getting the Amber Alerts is the ones where they deem somebody a runaway because of their status in life or the way, oh, she, you know, like. She was a user, so she yeah, ran away. Or she, uh, like basically saying, oh, she seemed like a whore. <laughs> like that kind of thing. And then going, she must have run away, you know. And that was like when we were talking about Zion Foster earlier in the season, them saying we're treating her as a runaway, even though there was no backing evidence to suggest she would ever do that. No, she's a good kid. She had a job. Yeah. And and so that's that that's when it gets kind of that kind of sucks. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, so for Tennessee, those are when they issue Amber Alerts. This is their exact criteria for when they issue an Amber Alert. The person is 17 years of age or younger. The child is in imminent danger of bodily injury or death. And there is a description of the child, the abductor, or vehicle. So this is perplexing to me because almost a year later, there's been very little else released to the public about any sort of abduction scenario. No suspect description. There is a brief time, it's still kind of in the air, but there was a truck that was of interest, but not as a suspect. They thought maybe this truck was there around the same time and maybe could saw something, but nobody has come forward in a year to say that they were in det- in town in that time. Do you think somebody knows and they're just maybe keeping quiet? Maybe. We'll talk about what held the, some of the neighbors have been acting. Because some of these towns are like, you know, get kind of... We think of small towns as like just this Norman Rockwell, mm-hmm. but I've lived in small towns and there's some juicy gossip going on that people hide. Well, yeah. And also, as we'll probably talk about more next episode, there are feuds happening. Yeah. So many different feuds at and the same time. Going back generations. Like yeah. my grandmother pissed you off. Like not to stereotype, but there are. And that I think that partly that comes from when people are are struggling, you know, there's just a little bit more stress and people get mad at each other. Yeah. Um, so the feuding is also kind of clouding a lot of the stuff going on here, unfortunately. So they there we didn't really get any sort of other clues as to why they're treating this as an abduction. And yet they immediately changed it from an endangered child alert, which the TBI reserves for missing children cases when there is a concern for the child's safety, to an Amber Alert, which is a suspected abduction. Oh, so somebody knows something. Why? Why did they do this? We don't know. A year later, we still don't really know why they did that. Later on, that day, the following day, which would be June 16th, The first press conference is held where it is stated that Wednesday's search involved more than 100 people from 19 agencies and also the FBI was assisting. So whatever they saw or heard made them think that this is an intensely dangerous 24 hours, that 19 agencies came out immediately and the FBI was assisting. They probably looked at the woods in the town and they were like, shit. Let's get this let's get this popping off. This is scary out here. I mean, I would say that too, but I would say that if, you know, somebody was missing for 30 seconds, I was and they walked in the woods, I'd be like, they're dead. <laughs> There's no way they survived this. Yeah. But a lot of these people are more used to like rugged terrain searching and it was still sort of a we need to do this now. Which of course, it is a missing child. Yeah. But it, it really I don't know something about what they're withholding from the public 
seems to be very dire. Yeah. So they also make a point, though, the next day that the family is cooperating and that the teams are struggling because there is virtually no cell phone service up on this mountain, which really makes you think, though, it's like of the hundreds of years of civilization that they, there was no communication and now we've just come to lean on it so quickly as society. But it's a it's a gift. It's a cool. It's a great thing to have that. But it's like, wow, suddenly cell phone service is a big issue during this. And in so many generations in the past never had to. They just anything. dealt with it. If yeah. they broke a bone, it was like, well, I guess I'll crawl my own ass to the hospital. Yeah. What I'm saying is they're weak. <laughs> I'm not. They're doing incredible work. And they had there. It is very rugged terrain where yeah. they are. So, I mean, even in my generation, like. If in my time, if you said to meet at the Walmart, you met at the Walmart, you know, because there's no phones to be like, I'm not going to make it running late. Like you had to show up on time. Oh, yeah. Elder millennials, I think, are in an interesting spot in time, which I kind of am grateful for where we had a childhood without social media and we got social media in like our late teens. Yeah. Or mid late teens. And I feel like my brain is fried sometimes from that. When I moved around a lot, I would always be asked to drop off at the library because this is before the internet. I didn't know what these places were. And I would look at not the books they had, but the books they didn't have. Oh, interesting. To see what the town was like. So I knew if they if they had lacked a lot of history books, they were probably pretty racist. Yeah. And if they lacked a lot of like sex education books or science books, it was probably a lot of teenage pregnancies. That's really interesting. I was a smart kid. You are. You were and you are. <laughs> so within this um, first press conference, the public information TBI public information officer Leslie Earhart encouraged Beach Creek residents to check trail cameras, any potential hiding places such as crawl spaces, sheds on their property, because a lot of the properties that are out here, like they might not have a lot of money, but you can have tons of acreage for next to no money. So people have vast properties and a lot of them have like old buildings that they don't use anymore on the properties and stuff like that. So there is technically a lot of places a child could be hiding or being kept, essentially. And so, unfortunately, a lot of those people's, a lot of these buildings are on private property. And so they can't just go traipsing legally. They can't just go busting around onto everybody's properties. They had to, like, ask people to look and report. Right. And then good luck with these, like, people being like, yeah, we'll take the government in my backyard. Right. They're probably inherently, like, get out of here. Right. Which I get, but also, I mean, you're a fucking asshole if, there's a missing baby and that you won't let them look. Right. I mean, that's, I don't know, man, that's fucked up. Cause as a cop, I'd be like, okay, so you did it. I, I mean that, and just being like, you are, and then in those moments, they don't care about your meth, dude. They're trying to find the kid. They're not trying to bust you for meth. Yeah. So this will be proved to be problematic at, at different points in the search that they can't, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to that part. So, Later on that same day, the first press conference, TBI acknowledges that they don't have a vehicle or suspect description despite them having made an Amber Alert. The daily press conferences continue like this for over a week, and there are few leads cropping up. And as we all know, the first couple of days are very, very critical in these situations, but nothing is coming to fruition from all of these tips they're getting in. Because they did. They started receiving a lot of tips right away. Two days after her disappearance, 
her dad makes the first public statement, and it's already kind of raising some people's eyebrows. This is was for his first statement, which was written. We know that there's people all around the world praying for her safe return. So many people love her. She would never leave our hill. I think that someone snuck up on her and grabbed her. I don't think she's in the area because the dog goes down the road and that's the end of the trail, but I don't know that for a fact. The way that she just disappeared, she would never do that. Oh, weird. Yeah, I mean, neither of the parents are what we would call sophisticated. So they're not accustomed to writing or talking on camera or a lot of things. So Yeah, but but it's weird to me in the way he's like, she's out of the area. Right. To me that says, and I'm just talking bullshit, she might be hidden on the property. Right. That is, and that is exactly what a lot of people kind of picked up on. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a bizarre He's statement. like, yeah, yeah, go search everywhere else but here. So when he's in that statement, if that wasn't clear, he was saying the dog goes down to the road and that's the end of the trail. Like, they're saying like, searching for her they they don't smell her anywhere or whatever Um, but also making a an acknowledgement that and they continue to say this and i believe this is that summer would not simply go into the forest alone like as as soon as you can like toddle in these kind of areas you are taught you must not go into the forest because it's very dangerous a lot of things can kill you out there yeah and so it's very unlikely that she just like wandered off no and those country kids are really smart yeah. they know how to handle themselves and they know what's like off limits and don't do that yeah she knows she definitely i believe she would know better than to just walk into the woods yeah so but what his statement saying that she was taken <laughs> There is so many things that are contradictory in all of this, but him saying immediately that he believes she was taken struck people as weird. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If the events truly played out the way Summer's mother said they did... In the two minutes she had to go down to her room and walk out the back door, is it more likely that a person took her than it was that she just like ran into the forest for some reason? Yes. But if that is the case, it would have had to have been a really perfectly calculated situation. Yeah. And somebody else on their property, I imagine they have guard dogs, you know, that would be alerted, but the boys would see this other person. Like, who's that man out here? They do have dogs. And we'll talk about the structure of the house and how actually where she would have gone if this was the real story that day, they wouldn't have seen any of that. We'll talk about the way the house is laid out. But that's if the mother's story is accurate, and some people don't think that it is. But the fact that he immediately 
suggested that somebody took her was off-putting to some people. Yeah. Not that, oh, she, maybe she fell into a hole and is injured or maybe an animal got to her or something. No other theories, just very assured that she was kidnapped made people f- kind of go like, hmm. Yeah. Or maybe it was even like arranged to just like you grab her in the two minutes it would take. Well, I, that is one of the concepts is that it, it this is a – a case of familial trafficking, which we've talked about, but there isn't any charges like that so far. So I don't want to immediately convict the parents of that. I'm just like pointing fingers at everybody. No, but it's totally something that a lot of people, including specialists who actually are trained in the field, you know, it's something that's on the table still. So, you know, the way that he said that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And I understand. I can also see a scenario where he's just kind of, not accustomed to making statements and maybe he just didn't know how to talk about it correctly. Right, and his daughter's gone. So he's like, you know, his baby girl. Right. So he's probably very emotional. Right. So it could be that too. So then that Friday, which was I think just the next day, her dad, Don Wells, makes his first on-camera appearance. There's nothing particularly egregious about this interview. He, to me, just seems like a tired and distraught father in it. He doesn't say anything unusual. I, he just looks like a dad who's yeah. scared. He's not sleeping. Yeah. Sadly, 12 days go by. There at this point have been 500 tips, 100 agencies on the ground, and over 4.6 square miles surrounded by the property searched. And no signs of this child have been found whatsoever. Yes, she ain't in the woods. It's very frustrating and confusing. The people who are out boots on the ground are exhausted at this point, and they start to scale people back. As is customary, after about two weeks of searching, they usually start pulling people. That's a shame. But there's other, you know, 600 people missing, you know, what they say, a year? Uh, A month. A month. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, they got a lot of missing kids. But most, the majority of those get solved very quickly. Yeah. Just so we, you know, are clear. There are obviously way too many missing kids, but. The 500 to 600 a month isn't all people who've just like disappeared into the dark. It might be like parents that are co-parenting and like yes. the mom is just like, I'm taking her now, you know, like yeah, steals it, her. That sort of thing. Or like you said, a kid who is with her boyfriend. Yeah. But then we have the Zions who get treated as that and then they're not, you know, so it's a whole big problem. Okay. 12 days have gone by. There's all this stuff. It's really sad. People are kind of starting to walk away from it because they have to. I mean, these people have worn themselves to the bone looking for this girl. People are looking everywhere for her. And so many people have been doing it. But then they do this like naturally after a couple of weeks, they pull back. So then we come to this on-camera interview of the parents that occurs on June 28th. This is the interview that's sort of the catalyst for a lot of the armchair detectives such as us to become interested in Summer's story. So maybe that's a good thing in some ways, but it also leads to a lot of judging of the parents. Enough judging that just based off of this one interview, some people have already convicted them. Wow. Have you watched this? I know she didn't walk away from this property by herself or off this yard by her swing. I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her, has lured her away from here. Well, whoever has my daughter, I pray and hope that they have not harmed her and they bring her back to us safe and sound. Just turn, I mean, go to the FBI, the police, and uh, clear it up. I mean, 
I don't know. It seems kind of elusive. The mother looks like she could beat the shit out of me. I'll say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, uh, I mean, unfortunately, um, they both, I think, have had some violent like charges. Yeah, yeah, she has. Yeah, you can't fucking tell. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. Say mean things. No, Because no. she'll come beat the shit out of me. She might. So based on the entirety of this interview, people start to make a lot of judgments. And, uh, you know. Uh, the dad looked sketchy, to be honest. And I know I'm you know, I'm not the judge, jury, executioner, but he looked kind of sketchy. Well, for one thing, both Candace and Don seem, I think the medical term is fucked up. Crunk, yeah, a bit faded, if you will. They often, in the interviews that follow, seem to be intoxicated. So that's one thing. Part of the interview also revolves around chastising their quote unquote haters, which is not maybe the best use of interview time. No, I feel like if the news is coming on your property to interview you about your missing child. Wouldn't you, you know, not get, be drunk? I mean, I can understand being a grieving parent and, you know, you're psychologically upset right now, but maybe like for five minutes. Yeah. And we, we find out later on that both of them have really deeply, they have, they have substance abuse issues all the time. So that's, a you know, another thing that people are looking at, obviously. And then there are some inconsistencies about what they say in this interview. In my opinion, the inconsistencies the critics are pointing out in this interview are sort of arbitrary, but that's just how I feel. For example, within a few seconds, one of each of the parents unprovoked give a different reason for Summer's hair being shaved. She was a tomboy. I shaved my head. She wanted to have her head shaved like me and the boys did. She tried to shave her head she tried in to the back and, and make it. Uh, I think you can see it in some of the pictures. And it was getting out of control, so she, we decided to shave her head off and let it grow back long. And she shaved her head to, to so she wouldn't feel bad. And uh, but, but it didn't bother her at this point. You know, it's it sometimes it seems like a little bit of minutia, but also people could say, well, they're changing their stories rapidly, but also they're. I'm pretty sure intoxicated, so they might not even be sure what they're saying exactly. That's crazy. This is crazy. It's I'm not, sorry. Just your yeah, no. head shaved and like they're saying different things. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of us probably experience a little bit of culture shock watching this, but we are living very differently than a lot of people in Appalachia would be. And so we have to go like, what is bad and what is just different? But you know, them being fucked up is probably not. Great. Yeah, I don't see that as being like a um. Because I always want to appreciate your culture, but I don't see drug use as a culture. No, 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 no. But you know, the thing of being like her head's shaved. That could be a that culture maybe thing because it's hot as fuck and they don't have air conditioning. You know maybe, what I mean? yeah. But also, people are pointing out that they use past tense in in a lot of the interview when referencing their daughter. I personally don't think that means anything. People always look for that with the families of the missing when they're being interviewed. I think sometimes, though, analyzing every word out of people's mouths who aren't used to being on camera is a little bit of a fool's errand. Like, I just don't think that it necessarily is indicative of guilt all the time. That 
it's scary to have cameras shoved in your face. You're already traumatized. If you use the term past tense when you're talking about somebody's missing, it might just be because they're not there and you're freaking out. You yeah, know? you don't even have cell phone service where you live. And now there's cameras on you. Right. So I don't know if that necessarily points to any red flags. By July 5th of 2021, so just less than a month later, the story has gained national attention. And as a result, TBI has received 800 tips None of which result in seemingly anything. Hopefully most of these were sent in with good intentions. But of course, we're always going to have some of the very sad people who inject themselves into missing cases in order to just make things harder. It's some bizarre part of, I would imagine, untreated mental illness. But that always happens on tip lines. People just say made up shit. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they do want to feel like they're a part of something. Yeah. Just to feel something. I don't really know yeah. why they do that. Um, also, suicide hotlines, hor- fun fact, horrible fact, a lot of people call in masturbating. Great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of people call in and it's like a kink because they want someone to be like, you're okay, you're special. Because I used, I was, I had this job at a gym. <sighs> Somebody called in and he was like, what is wrong I'm going to kill myself. And I was like, don't kill yourself, you're special. And he's like, tell me I'm special again. And then I heard... And I was like, this motherfucker is masturbating. Wow, that is a lot, Amber. I know. I'm sorry. I keep going on these little side no, quests. No, I mean a lot for you to have to deal with on your job. Yeah. Well, great. Great. Yeah, so people call in and they can just make up shit for these <laughs> tips or masturbate. Yes, or masturbate or whatever they're going to do. What have you. <laughs> so on July 21st, a spokesperson with DCS, Department of Children's Services, confirmed that the department has become involved in the Summerwell's investigation. And unfortunately, at this point, with Candace and Don being unsavvy in the ways of media, they've started talking to random podcast hosts, YouTubers, and then later appearing on the wretched Dr. Phil show. Oh, God. So Dr. Phil's not till the fall, but in July... Dawn ends up on one of these shows, and even though DCS hasn't made this public statement, he confirms that his three sons have now been taken away by children's services. He says that it's because things have gotten dangerous from all the people on and off the property, but also that due to the stress and sadness from summer, he's been drinking heavily. We as the public don't really know the entirety of what happened, and that's probably good or at least fine. We don't really need to know the details of DCS Mm-mm. in this situation. And while I have my own opinions of the parents, people sending in death threats, trespassing, and confronting the family are only making things worse for Summer. Yeah, don't do that. And also com- her completely innocent brothers. Like, what are you doing with your life? Just <laughs> – this is why you're just ask yourself for one second why you're inserting yourself here, because if it's to help the kid, you're not just don't make it worse, you know. But much like, you know, again, in Zion Foster's case, her mother earlier when we discussed her in the season, Don has been experiencing some of the same stuff, which he tells this podcast that's called Jays for Justice, that People are sending him all these messages that they have summer and they're demanding money and drugs. Oh, horrible. Yeah. Which I mean, in the first place would be like pulling water out of a rock. They are very poor people. They don't have a bunch of stuff to give somebody. At this point, there is a reward, but like Dawn doesn't just have access to that. 
And you can go like, oh, here you go, random Instagram person. Here's the reward that the you know the county's holding. No, just everybody's looking for a buck. Yeah. That money is, of course, held within like the institutions, but I guess worthless scumbags who are trying to extort money from missing children wouldn't think about that. <laughs> I don't know. Don says that he believed all these things and it was making him crazy until he was you know, warned about this happening in all missing kids' cases and missing people's cases. You're going to get people again just trying to get cash. Ugh, people are the worst. Just mm, using yeah. kids for money, masturbating on suicide hotlines. We Fake tips. I don't know what everybody needs. I don't know if everybody needs a good shake or <sighs> vacation. I don't know. I don't um, know. So... By September, this story has reached John Walsh, which is making it a very nationally watched over story. People are very interested at this point. And yet there is still nothing, no movement, no sign of her whatsoever. October comes along and it sees Don and Candace start their own YouTube channel. This is another thing that makes people question their motives. For example, some of their Videos are sort of video collages of photos of their trip to see Dr. Phil, um, hmm. that sort of thing. That one specifically was entitled Things I've Never Seen Before, and they're being criticized for it. In this video, they're showing, you know, it's like a slideshow almost of like Hollywood Walk of Fame stars. So they've come here. Picture, yeah, to Dr. Phil. Oh, right. So I for sure should not make fun of them because she will come here again and beat the shit out of me. I don't think so. The... What I I gleaned from this, like things I've never seen before, slideshow. It was like a picture of a cactus. Oh. These people have never been anywhere, and I think that we have to take that into account when we're analyzing these sorts of things. You may think that it's distasteful that they're doing that, but you have to imagine like this entire experience is like being shot out of a cannon. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of guiltiness that they're being like shocked at Hollywood like this is they it's like they're being they're going to outer space essentially yeah it's all new it's all shocking yeah you know it shows that they're unsophisticated but if anything those photo collages of their trip make me feel sort of sorry for them that they still were like wow we're in Hollywood because it's so out of the realm of the possibility of their life you know what I mean mm -hmm. I don't think that necessarily means they don't care about their child no I kind of want to take them to like a disco nightclub <laughs> and do some cocaine till like four o'clock in the morning I don't think they need any more cocaine <laughs> um so for the most part their YouTube channel is them making brave statements answering questions and showing photos of summer sadly to add more to this mess, Don is pulled over at the end of October and he gets arrested on a DUI. Oh, because he's been drinking. Yeah. So when he faces the judge for this arrest, it is revealed that he also has violated an already existing probation for a charge of handling a weapon while intoxicated just two months before Summer disappeared. So in April of 2021. So Can basically he got arrested, had to go stand in front of court for that arrest, and then while he was there, got arrested a second time for violating his probation. Wow. This came at, you know, not the greatest time. And especially because at this point, he's supposed to be working on himself and the house in order to get his sons back. There's these requirements he's supposed to be meeting. 
from DCS to get the children back in the house. And he ain't doing that. He's just drinking. Doing the opposite of that. He's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Well, I guess the brighter side of that is like, okay, don't put those kids back in the house. Because yeah. if, if he was just like fixing it just for the kids and to like look nice, and then as soon as CPS went away, he'd right. be like, it went to shit again. Right. He clearly is not in a state right now that's uh, being able to parent very well. well. We can say that for sure. I feel bad for those boys. Their sister's gone. And now they're away from their parents. Hopefully they're at least somewhere together. I'm not sure if they are, though. So on November 1st, Don Wells issues this statement. I have to stay off the YouTube thing or be very careful about if I do anything on YouTube from now on because I have lost control. I've done stupid things. And for that, I apologize. I'm just trying to be right. Focus on our church and the things that our family that we so much enjoy together. They get swept up in the fame. Well, not only that, I mean, they're being tormented. I'm I'm considering them innocent until proven guilty. So if we put them in that scenario, they haven't, they might be, have made a lot of mistakes, but they didn't put their child in, in intentional danger. And now the world is crashing down on them. They already have substance issues. They already have mental health issues. They already poor. And then all of this shit keeps piling on top of them. And, and so... Uh, I think it's less the fame and more like spiraling publicly, essentially. But then after this, they get we get to Dr. Doom. I mean, Dr. Phil. <laughs> what am I saying? The reason I find him so abhorrent personally is because in these situations, the interviews are always modeled around creating dramatic content for all of these things. He always brings on these people, these desperate, often poor people on his show, and I'm certain he pays them. And he puts them in these situations where the intent is not to help. It's to create drama on the show. And so regardless of her parents' guilt, the intent is to keep poking them with a stick to see if they'll blow up and get, you know, ratings or views. Right. Which is what happens on the show. I think we're going to stop there because we're already at an hour. And I I don't want to get too deep into the minutia of this case again, but there's just so much more of going on behind what we haven't even gotten into with this story. And I want to see what we can take away from it. So we'll pick up sort of what else has been going on in this situation that we haven't talked about yet. Cause so there's the, more, there's more. She's on Dr. Phil. Yeah. She just disappeared in those two minutes. Yeah. Small town Small. family's saying we got to get off YouTube. Yeah. It's pretty much it. Okay. We should have just done that. Just just that was the whole episode. Five second show. Okay. So we'll come back with this unfortunate story next week. But for the time being, um, Summer Wells was five at the time. She's six now. She is a white female. She has blonde hair, which was cut close to the skull at the time she disappeared, but could be any length at this point. She has bright blue eyes. She was three foot and 40 pounds at the time. She also has if her baby teeth are still there in the front. One of her teeth is kind of, it looks a little bit rotted out or discolored in the Ooh. front. Her front two teeth are broken up a little bit. It's it's kind of debated whether or not that's like from neglect or just getting, you know, being a rough and tumble kid and getting, you know, falling down and right. stuff. Teeth are hard. I got to go to the dentist myself. All my teeth were rotted out when I was a kid. I had to have caps on all of my baby teeth. It was oh. really sad. So... Yes, she went missing from outside of Rogersville, Tennessee on June 15, 2021. But, you know, if she has been trafficked, she could be anywhere at this point. So 
we'll post photos up and we'll we'll continue talking about the situation next week and uh just you know keep your eyes peeled as always and i am natalie jean you can follow me at the natty jean and follow the show at someplace underneath i'm amber smelson and that's all over social media and as always natalie and amber are saucy pert and greasy as well as you all should be <laughs> bye-bye This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.